Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. In today's age, it can be hard to imagine what a modern sacrifice would be. How do you define sacrifice? What about a devotional offering? What comes to your mind when you think about those subjects? As always, a huge shout out to my patrons over on Patreon for making this show possible. Thank you, Rose, Jess, Hillary, Lee, Angie, Magical Crafting, Bliss, Beverly Butterfly, Jessica, Jennifer, Laura, Chris, Nad, Brittany, Meredith, another Jessica, and Tia. If you'd like to help support the show, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron, and you can add your name to that list for as little as a dollar a month. Same as last month, my wonderful friend Adriana Morales has blessed us with an astrology forecast for the month of September. She is currently studying astrology, and you should follow her on Twitter, at Adri M. Cacique. Did I say that right this time, Adri? (laughs) And the link will be in the show notes. So remember that when it comes to dates for astrological events, you should always double-check the exact dates to your location. Astrology is fun like that, and things can change depending on where you are in the world. Here's what she has to say. We begin September with the Sun in Virgo. This is a period of organization. Focus on goals and your work life. We also maintain the previous retrogrades of Jupiter in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius, Uranus in Taurus, Neptune in Pisces, and Pluto in Capricorn. Between the 5th and 8th, with the peak on the 6th or the 7th, depending on your location, we'll have a new moon in Virgo. This is a time that invites us to reflect and consider new beginnings in areas like work and relationships. Focusing on your health is also recommended. Take this opportunity to plan or start a new routine. On the 10th, Venus enters Scorpio. It's coming out of Libra, which is one of the signs it rules, so it moves from a domicile, which is a comfortable place, to a sign that has that planet as a detriment. This means that Scorpio doesn't feel comfortable in Venus. As Venus deals with love, this will be an intense period in that area where strong emotions might arise. Be sure to use this energy to your advantage, but also look out for jealousy and obsessive behaviors. On the 14th, Mars enters Libra, which is also a detriment. This will be a period of doubt, indecision, low energy, and passive-aggressive situations. On the brighter side, this is an energy that can also be used to fight for justice and balance. Between the 19th and the 22nd, with the peak on the 20th or the 21st, again, depending on your location, will have a full moon in Pisces. This is a very compassionate and dreamy period where inspiration and art will be predominant. Nevertheless, as Pisces energy tends to daydream, it's not recommended to make big decisions during this time. If you're working on a project, extra focus is advised but also take advantage of the inspiration this full moon will bring you. On the 22nd, the sun enters Libra. This will be a period of balance, justice, and harmony. 
Arts and flirtatious energy are also relevant during this time. Be careful, as this is also an energy that aims to please everyone, so it might be difficult to make decisions. On this day, we also start the fall and spring equinoxes in the northern and southern hemispheres, respectively. On the 26th, Mercury retrogrades in Libra. Mercury in Libra, as explained last month, makes us find balance between our thoughts. People tend to be more careful with what they say and try to avoid hurting others. When Mercury goes retrograde, it affects communication. It can be in person, through electronics, or any other way that makes communication possible. A Mercury retrograde in this sign will affect balance and harmony, but this is also a time to stop focusing on others and focus on yourself. Take this opportunity to find your own balance and peace of mind before you communicate with others. Alright, so thank you again to Adriana for our monthly astrological forecast. Again, be sure to follow her on Twitter, and now let's move into the topic. If you thought about the questions I asked in the introduction, I'm curious to know what you came up with. I mean, I know this is a podcast and you can't actually answer me right now, but still, I'm curious. What is a modern sacrifice? A modern offering to the gods? A modern act of devotion can look different for every practitioner and god alike. But even then, it's different for every spirit. I'm going to use the word spirit in place of the word god or gods throughout this episode because not everyone that makes offerings does it in the name of a deity. Spirit in this episode encompasses deities, ancestors, guides, and any other spiritual being you might work with. And this topic is one that was voted on by my patrons, and I'm actually really excited to talk about it. I just don't know how long this episode will be. I guess we'll just have to see how much I have to say. First, let's define a few terms, as always, so we're all on the same page. A spirit in this sense is, as I defined just a second ago, any spiritual or otherworldly being you may work with or give offerings to. This could be ancestors, guides, your higher self, or the gods, just to name a few. An offering is something given to the spirit either out of devotion or reciprocity, a give and take. You can think of it as a modern-day sacrifice without the death or killing of anyone or anything involved. On that note, a sacrifice is just something one gives up in the name of an offering to said spirits. Doing this in an act of devotion shows reverence for the spirit, a way to honor them and give thanks and be grateful for their presence in your life, whatever that may be. Giving an offering in reciprocity means a give and take. You give an offering in the hopes that the spirit gives you something in return. For example, when I was having issues with my Jeep, I petitioned Bridget for help and gave extra offerings on top of my devotional offerings in exchange for her help making sure everything worked the way it needed to. Lastly, let's define an act of service. There are two schools of thought for me on this. 
The first is that an act of service is some sort of charity work or service done for others in the name of the spirits you work with. The second school of thought is that an act of service is simply an action done in the name of the spirits you work with, not necessarily charity work or work done for others. For example, an act of service under the first definition would be volunteering at a women's shelter in the name of Bridget. Under the second definition, playing my flute for Bridget could be an act of service to her. Again, this is going to depend on you and how you define acts of service. But for me, I'm just going to combine the two schools of thought into one concept for this episode, so take whichever one works for you. Now, I'm not a historian or an anthropologist or anyone that has studied religion in any sort of academic way. With that being said, I can't begin to say how acts of service would have historically taken place among the plethora of the world's religions. We do know that things like sacrifice and games and festivals were all held in honor of many gods over many pantheons, but I don't have the education or sources to talk about historical acts of service for multiple religious belief systems. Is it possible that things like charity work and the arts and other actions could have been seen as devotional acts to particular spirits? Of course. Do I know of stories such as Bridget blessing those who care for others or who take care of their communities? Absolutely. However, I can't point to specific stories or myths or folklore otherwise that would back up my thinking that all acts of service may have historical merit. So I'm just not going to, because, you know, I don't want to misspeak or give anyone incorrect information. If you're interested in learning more about the history of certain religions, I'd say to check out your library and other people who are more knowledgeable than I am. If you've got stories to share from mythology or folklore, feel free to let me know. All of my contact information is always in the show notes. You can always post your story on social media and tag me in it, and I will gladly share it if you do have one to share. Anyway, I don't think we need to have a historical basis for acts of service as devotion, unless maybe you're a reconstructionist, of course, but that's a bit different. And again, I'm not a reconstructionist, so I can't speak to that particular way of doing things. In my opinion, the world could do with more acts of service as offerings than objects and food as offerings. It doesn't always work that way, though. For me, I tend to do better when I give food or drink or trinkets as offerings because it's honestly easier and less work, so to speak. It's easier to just light a candle or give a bit of butter or keep some water on the altar. It's also less of a sacrifice, and sometimes I just don't have much more to give of myself than to sacrifice a bit of milk or a bit of butter for the gods. And there's nothing wrong with only giving offerings like that, and I want to make sure I'm clear on that. This episode is not an attack on anyone's practice. I'm not, as Firelight has so eloquently put it in my previous episode, I am not the practice police. 
Your practice is your own. But I want to challenge you to think outside the box when it comes to offerings and devotion to your spirits. I want to challenge you to think about why you give the offerings you do and why you do the things you do in the name of the gods. So why do I think the world could use more acts of service as devotion and less quote-unquote offerings? Well, for me, that's easy to answer. And again, this pertains only to me, but if it resonates with you, maybe you want to think about it and incorporate it into your practice a little bit if you don't already. The world as we know it is constantly shifting, and we are seeing communities, both large and small, on the microcosm and the macrocosm, in states of unrest, dealing with injustices, and people constantly let down by the systems that were never made to support them. If we take the current state of affairs into consideration, we might begin to see that, yeah, the world could do with a bit more service to others, and a bit more community building and barrier breaking and healing of the earth. This is going to look different for everyone depending on where you are and what you're capable of, but I am definitely of the opinion that if you can do some form of charity work, outreach, or community service in the name of the spirits you serve, then you're doing one more thing to make the community and the world a better place. If you feel called to do something like this in service or honor of your spirits, then to that, I say hell yeah. I'm not the only person who sees the benefit of this either. Temperance Alden made a post on Instagram about how she chose to forego baking bread for Lunasa and instead went for an act of service. In her post, she said that drought and fires were devastating in North America and honoring the spirit of the land had become more important than anything else. That year, she will be skipping the bread and moving into acts of service. Now, she didn't go into detail publicly and wrote more about it for her Patreon supporters, so I can't share that information. However, this ties into the belief that witchcraft is of the land. When we work with spirits, and when we work witchcraft, we are inherently tied to the land around us. Honoring the land in this way through acts of service is a humble way to pay your respects to the spirit of the land you live on, do what you can to support the growth and healing of said land, and show your reverence for what the land provides for you. All of that to say that it is my belief that acts of service for spirits may in fact be the direction that some of us move toward rather than items and foodstuff as offerings. There's another caveat to this, though. If the spirit in question does not want acts of service as devotional offerings or says specifically that they'd like to keep receiving the offerings you are currently doing, then obviously keep doing it. I am not here to speak for those spirits, and that relationship between you and them is more important than the words I'm speaking right now. But let's talk about the different ways that people today might already be doing acts of service in the name of their spirits. 
I'm not going to limit this discussion to just polytheism, or just Brigid, or just any one particular pantheon or belief system. Religious groups around the world take part in devotional acts on a regular basis, and I think they're important to talk about. One religion's act of service doesn't make it any better or worse than another just because of the faith the person follows. There are some acts of service that I do not recommend, like mission trips to foreign countries to quote-unquote save the people of said country. But in most communities where acts of service are taking place, it is usually done so for the good of the community. I realize, though, that this isn't always the case, so please use your discernment and don't push your religious beliefs onto others in the name of devotional offerings. And honestly, don't take that from anyone else trying to do the same. I'm going to talk about my own experiences here for a minute because it's my podcast and I can. (laughs) And these experiences actually start back when I was a lost preteen going back and forth between Christianity and Wicca. I flip-flopped back and forth between the two for quite a while for reasons I don't want to get into here because that's just not the point of this episode. Anyway, um, I used to be heavily involved in my church's youth group. And any time we would have some sort of community service event, I jumped at the idea. For me, acts of service is about doing something for the good of the community in the name of the gods. In this case, it was just one god, but that's okay. I can remember times where I woke up really early in the morning grabbed a ride to the United States Marines office in my hometown. Um, For anyone that is not from the U.S., the Marines is a branch branch. The Marines is a branch of our armed forces. Um, And I spent all day creating boxes of Christmas gifts for Toys for Tots. The fact that I was able to do this act of service for God and serve the community was such an unmatched feeling. I was doing good by bringing these children the chance to experience Christmas joy. There were no strings attached. There was no preaching or praying for the families, unless, of course, they asked us to. It was simply a devotional act for the community, God working through me for them. And this would happen for every major holiday, too. We handed out free dinners for families on Thanksgiving that couldn't afford them. We often volunteered at the soup kitchen or homeless shelter to serve the community. We looked at it as doing God's work, serving God through our actions. Now, while that's all through a Christian lens, I don't think it's any different when you switch gears or faiths to one of polytheistic devotion or paganism. And I hope I didn't turn off any listeners by speaking about some of my experiences within the church I was in as a young teenager. Honestly, that particular church did a lot of good for my family and was very open and inviting to everyone of all walks of life. 
And I don't want to negate anyone's negative experiences with the church as an institution either. This That all really isn't the point, though. My point is that I still see devotional acts and acts of service in that way. Just because the deity has changed doesn't mean the act of service or end goal has to. It can shift and better align with your values and the values of the gods or spirits, whomever they may be. But acts of service and community service are vital pieces of my practice. I'm sorry if you can hear my ferrets in the background. Um, but for me today, especially right now in the middle of a pandemic, this looks like donating money to causes I care about and that are close to the domains of my gods. Um, spending time with community online to answer questions and learn from others. And even spending time with myself in introspection as service to the gods. And this isn't a new concept in the modern pagan world either. As I said before, how Temperance Alden spoke briefly about acts of service instead of baking bread, but even author Matt Aron wrote briefly about something he does in service to Hecate. In his tweet, he said every new moon, he tries to donate as an offering to a charity that is related to something sacred to Hecate in her name when he can. He alternates between dogs, women's shelters, homeless shelters, BIPOC youth, and LGBTQIA youth charities. Taking and not giving back creates imbalance. On another note, an act of service could simply be something you do for the gods. This doesn't have to be as deep or complex as community service. But if you have no physical offerings to give, an act of service might be the right thing for you to do. Do something that is sacred to your spirits, for your spirits. Sing, dance, create, garden, whatever it may be. All of those are perfectly fine offerings as long as it's something that spirit will accept. So briefly, let me run down a few examples and ideas of things you can do as acts of service for spirits. If you work closely with your ancestors, you could visit their graves and make sure their headstones are clean and clear of debris. You could pour fresh water as a libation over their grave. Creating an ancestor altar and tending it with things that your ancestors hold dear could be an act of service. Sing them their favorite songs. Bake your grandma's famous pie recipe and share it with your neighbors. Spend some time searching your genealogy and learning more about the people that came before you. Donate to charities that would be sacred to your deities. As an example, I donate 15% of any money I make from my online shop to the Johns Hopkins Sjogren's Syndrome Foundation. I do this for two reasons. One, my mom has Sjogren's Syndrome, and there's currently no syndrome treatment or cure, only symptom management. Two, Bridget is a goddess of healing. There are stories of her as a saint healing those with leprosy, helping the poor, and feeding the hungry. 
She is also a goddess that cares deeply for her family and does what she can to keep them safe and cared for. This is a great charity and foundation for me to work with in Bridget's name because it has to do with the medical field, healing, and family and community service. Find a community service project to support, either monetarily, physically, or on social media that aligns with what your spirits want or find sacred. I shared my example with Bridget and Matt's example with Hecate, but every deity has something they care about or find sacred. If you honor Poseidon and live near a beach, consider picking up trash along the beach, support ocean cleanup projects, or even advocate for 100% reef-safe sunscreen. If you honor Hades, consider visiting cemeteries and cleaning the gravestones of those that have been forgotten, or acting as a death doula, with the proper training, of course, to help ease people from this life into the next. If you work with the Morrigan, consider donating to foundations that help veterans, wounded combat soldiers, and families of prisoners of war. Likewise, if you work with any deity from another culture, consider learning their language and their history as a devotional act. For example, since I primarily work with Irish deities, I'm trying to learn the Irish language. I also do what I can to learn about Irish history and culture from Irish sources. It isn't something that is always necessary to work with them, but it shows that I care about the living culture of the land they come from, and that is extremely important to me. As witches, we also work closely with the land around us. Every place has a spirit that looks after it, a guardian, if you will. This can be true for your home and your car, but it is especially true for the land you live on. Cultivate a relationship with those spirits by tending that land. Plant native herbs, shrubs, and trees, and look after it in any way you can. Do what you can to not poison the ground with litter or other debris that isn't biodegradable. And yes, that includes salt. In the wider sphere, go to a natural place in your area and pick up trash from parks, rivers, and lakes. Keep the land clean and unpolluted. If you don't want to look at community service and acts of service in that respect, you can always create things for your spirits and give those to them. Kellyanne Maddox spoke in one of her videos about how she often writes poetry for hell and Instead of sharing it with the world, she does what she calls committing it to the cauldron. The offering goes to hell in the smoke, the creation made specifically for that deity and no one else. I do something similar with the poetry I write for Bridget. I also play the flute as a devotional act to her, practicing and getting better to connect with and honor Bridget of the Bards. I think the only limit to acts of service in a modern sense is your relationship with the spirit in question and what you have access to. And now it's time for a listener question. 
Today's listener question comes to us from Instagram. Someone asked, how do you devote an activity? Do you say it out loud or do the gods just know? So I can't speak for absolutely everyone when it comes to devoting activities or acts of service to the gods, but in my practice, when I'm doing an act of service for Bridget, for example, I ritualize it. There are very specific motions that I go through before I actually do the act of service. Um, Now, this is going to depend on the context of the act of service. For example, if I'm donating money to a charity, it doesn't usually involve that many steps. I just speak with Bridget and say a prayer, basically saying, Bridget, I'm donating this money in your honor, in your service to, you know, Uh, build a better community and help people in whatever way I can. But when I'm doing another act of service that is physical, that requires me actively doing something, I usually start with a prayer, I light a candle if it's something I'm doing at home, and I make it very clear that what I'm doing is for the gods. Um, And it's about a different kind of headspace. So for example, when I play the flute and I'm just practicing, um, I usually just, I go through my warm up, I practice a couple of tunes, I do my scales, and I really focus attention on making sure that I'm reading the notes properly, making sure that my pitch and my embouchure are adequate for what I'm trying to do. When I play the flute for Bridget, however, it's a completely different headspace and I find myself, you know, I still do the warm-up, I still do the scales because that's just good practice for playing an instrument, but in the process of actually playing for her, I find myself playing tunes that don't have music, um, that I don't have sheet music for. I do a lot more intuitive play and it gets me into a headspace, um, sort of like a meditative space or even a trance where it brings me closer to her and closer to our spiritual connection and I don't keep track of what I play. Um, I don't try to write down the notes, I don't try to write down the song, I just let it flow through me to her and give it to her, basically. If I'm doing an act of community service for her, that's gonna be a little different, uh, especially depending on where I am and what I'm doing. So if I am volunteering at a place, for example, um, uh, an animal shelter, if I'm volunteering at an animal shelter, before I go into the animal shelter, I will say a prayer, basically let Bridget know that this volunteer work I'm doing in service of her and her honor uh, and connect it back to her in some form or fashion. I don't know if I would specifically uh, volunteer at an animal shelter for her. That's a, a little outside of her scope in my UPG. I would more likely volunteer at a women's shelter or um, volunteer, do some sort of volunteer work with children or hospitals or anything like that. Um, So I hope that answers your question. It is very much a 
headspace, a mindset to get into first, and then actively connecting with the spirit that you're giving an offering to or doing a service for and letting them know. And it could be as simple as before you do something, say like, hey Bridget, this active service is for you. This crochet veil that I'm making is for you in your honor. And then keep that in mind as you do the service. Um, instead of just going through the motions and just doing it, being in that state of mindfulness. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. I hope that wasn't confusing and I hope that helps you out in whatever way you needed. If anybody else would like to ask questions and have their questions answered during a podcast episode, follow me on Instagram at round underscore the underscore cauldron. The link for that is always in the show notes. If you don't have Instagram and you still want to ask a question about whatever the topic may be, you can always email me or follow me on Twitter or just, I don't know, find a place to leave a comment somewhere. And I will pick a question to answer once a month that pertains to the topic. And now we can move back onto the show. There are times when an act of service might be your only available option for a devotional offering, and that's okay. There has been this really odd trend and hashtag going around on TikTok about witch talk, the witchcraft side of TikTok, hating poor people. Now, I know it's TikTok, but hear me out because this then gains traction everywhere else, and then you have a bunch of new witches who start internalizing this nonsense. This idea comes from the fact that what we see online when it comes to offerings, altars, and tools tends to be very aesthetically pleasing and expensive. People will drop hundreds of dollars on crystals because that's what you're quote-unquote supposed to do, right? sarcasm, if you can't tell. People will say that you absolutely have to give a specific type of offering to a deity or spirit, and anything other than that one thing is considered less than. However, that's bullshit, and I'm not going to stand for it. We don't perpetuate those ideas here, and we certainly don't keep people out because they don't have the money to buy fancy tools or the food security to sacrifice part of their food as an offering. There was a time not too long ago, when I first started working as a freelancer, that we didn't have much money. I didn't really have much else to give Bridget besides acts of service and the occasional first sip of my morning coffee. And come on, all you coffee drinkers out there know how much of a sacrifice it is to give up your first sip of that magical bean water to someone else. (laughs) In my opinion, if you're going to be devoted to or working with the gods or other spirits in any capacity, an act of service is a perfectly valid offering as long as that spirit says it's okay. Did I create a specific veil for me to wear in honor of Bridget? Yes, I did. The act of creating the veil was a devotional act. The act of wearing the veil, when necessary, is also a devotional act. 
Both of these are perfectly okay for my relationship with Bridget. You've got to do what you can within the confines of your own life. If you deal with food scarcity, it is my opinion that you should not be expected to leave regular offerings of food for your spirits. Occasionally, sure, when that spirit wants it, but not all the time. If you deal with poverty and low income, it makes zero sense for you to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on expensive wine or crystals as offerings. It is my belief that the gods don't want to cause us harm or put us in dangerous situations. Giving your last bit of food or money to the gods can definitely do that. And I believe they are understanding enough of our human condition to ask for or require something else. That doesn't mean that what they ask for as an alternative will be easy for us to do. But when working with spirits, we should be prepared and know them so that things don't come as a surprise for us. I think that's really all I have to say on this topic. I figured it would be a shorter episode because I don't have a lot of historical information to point to, and I don't think acts of service as devotional offerings is like a controversial subject or one that requires a lot of explaining. Um, I think acts of service as devotional offerings is perfectly valid, and sometimes it could be the preferred method to honor the gods or spirits you work with. Maybe one day I'll revisit the subject, Um, when I have more historical religious information or something else to say. But for now, let's have a look at our tarot card for the month of September. Okay, this month we're looking at the Ten of Cups reversed. So this month, think about how you're aligned in your relationships. Is there some sort of disharmony going on? Could communication be better? Is someone hiding feelings that maybe they shouldn't be? Think about your relationships and what they mean to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it brought a new perspective to your offerings and devotions to the gods and spirits you serve and honor. I hope it gave you some ideas for ways to incorporate acts of service into your devotional life. And I hope, as always, that it made sense. (laughs) Before we go, I just want to leave you with this. Don't let the conventional thinking of offerings limit you to only giving physical, tangible objects to your spirits. They can and will work through you if you let them. Love for them. Work for them. Be of service to the community for them. Take care of each other for them. Honor what is sacred for them. And when you serve with devotion, keep them in your day whenever you can. I'll talk to you soon.